welcome to Pro's Tinted Glasses. I'm Katie. I'm Bailey. And, uh, we could never quite get the hang of Thursdays, which is a choice. So, in an effort to not panic, we, uh, we are prepared today. Oh, yours was really clean. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about how that sounded. I don't think this truly opened as smoothly. <laughs> I'm also pretty excited about what I'm drinking. Uh, so you're drinking a Truly Bailey. What flavor? It's one of the new poolside ones. I went with Pina Colada because it's reportedly the best of the pack. So start high. Mm-mm. Good. And what is your cake can? It is a Martin House Congratulations, a sweet and sour cake beer. Oh, that's very so, interesting. Congratulations to me. Yeah, it's really good. I saw... Um, a couple of our friends have had it recently, and uh, I wanted it. So I finally went to an actual liquor store to get the more niche beer instead of just getting beer at Target like everybody else. Nice. I got these yeah. at Target because they are not mm. niche. So Good. Yes. Good. In true Ford Prefect fashion, we will start with a drink. <laughs> or six, um, depending on how crazy it gets. Probably not six. It's a weeknight. <laughs> That's true. That's true and fair. Uh, but yeah, so if you couldn't tell by our clumsily dropped hints, we are talking about the classic Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams today. Yes, it is definitely time for another prose tinted classic, which I've just now remembered is how I typically introduce these things, but whatever. Whatever. This one, it's interesting because I feel like it barely counts as like, like it's clearly a classic book, but I, I don't think a lot of people are getting taught this in high school. No, um, this feels more like something the teacher recommends to you, like, because you need something else to read, but like, obviously don't want to read another actual classic, which mm -hmm. is presumably why I was able to enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah. So you, this was your first time reading it. We're just continuing the, the prose-tinted classic theme. Yes. <laughs> um, but in a nice change of pace, I finished this actually long enough ago that I probably should have reread it because I finished it on about the 28th of April mm -hmm. because I started it in the airport. Yeah. So, I mean, two weeks, definitely long enough to forget everything. <laughs> Oh, no, it was March 28th. Okay, oh, yeah. okay, that yeah. makes way more sense. I was like, I thought it was longer ago, but I don't I no, don't know how time works. I don't know how time works either. No, it was... <laughs> Who knows what time it is? Not me. I don't. I was in the Chicago airport on, yeah, on March 26th. Okay, okay. All right, that's, that's when I read it. And I finished it. I finished it. Basically on that flight. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, it's a short book. It's a quick read. I, I read it for the first time, I think, in late high school or maybe early college, definitely around that time in my life. And I've reread it once pretty much every couple of years. Um, and I finished reading it for this recording about 15 minutes ago. Yes. <laughs> I mean, again, it's not super long, uh, but it was it was so good it, it reads so quickly mm -hmm. it's so good it's so quick um i also i always forget how much of like common vernacular humor 
comes from this book. Like, obviously, like, everybody knows, like, 42 is the answer to the life, to life, the universe, and everything. And I think most people know that that comes from Hitchhikers. Um, and now that I've started this thought, I can't think of a single thing that I feel like we say a lot. But often throughout the book, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, a thing people say. And it's from this. I think that I have presumably heard 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything, and never, ever connected it to anything. and was just like, oh, haha. And now that you're, like, saying that, I'm like, oh, I guess, yeah, probably I've heard it, but never consciously remembered a moment mm-hmm. where I was like, why? Why would someone say 42? The answer is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so, what was your what was your general experience? Well, do we want to do a quick uh, quick summary first, or do we just want to um, jump into get thoughts into and then summarize after? Maybe thoughts. Um, by the way, spoiler alert for this book that came out in the eighties. Um, sorry, nineteen seventy nine. I was so close. Nineteen eighty in the U.S. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna say I was correct. Yeah. Um, again, I. I don't know that this is one that we need a spoiler for, but it's good to be in the habit, I suppose, of Yeah, we we've gotten way out of the habit, and I think we need to just kinda kinda circle up, kinda make sure we're checking off all our boxes. Yeah, spoiler so... besties, the earth gets destroyed. <laughs> what? Uh I would like to steal a phrase from Katie to describe my experience <laughs> with this this classic. It was a genuine delight. <laughs> this book was so fun. I did not want to put it down as evidenced by the fact that I didn't fall asleep on the second flight after an international flight leg home uh, because I was like, I got to read this. <laughs> uh, it, it is what I consider to be the best classic of the prose tinted classics so far, though <laughs> as established, it may not like fully fall into the same category as the rest of the classics, but I'm counting it. I'm counting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's fair, and I, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. It's one of those that feels, like, so quintessential in the terms of, like, in the realm of, like, humor and also just, like, nerddom. Like, I feel like it's, like, entry-level nerd requirement to, like, read and enjoy Hitchhiker's Guide. I will say, having said that, I have not read any of the sequels. Have you Have you seen, Bailey, they call it, it's, like, it's a trilogy of six books, <laughs> that is fitting with the the experience of the book. The yeah. general general vibes, yeah. yeah. So I've only read the first one, and I keep meaning to pick up the rest of them, and maybe I finally will after this. Um, but a lot of other quotes that I know have come from the sequels. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, hang on, I just looked it up so I could talk about it on the phone with my dad. <laughs> yeah, I... Sometimes when I was saying that I was reading this for the podcast, people were genuinely amazed that I had not read it before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I get that. I This is actually one I really should have read. Like, you can be amazed all you want that I hadn't read Pride and Prejudice, but I should have read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, one of the quotes from, I think, the second one, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, is, In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made many people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. Now, that one, I think I've definitely heard. Mm-hmm. When I was on the phone with my dad a little while ago, we were talking about, like, oh, like, 
flooding from global warming and he lives in New Mexico and there's all these fires happening right now and then also like all of the nonsense happening in the US with the Supreme Court and I was like I just really feel like maybe the universe should not have been created like maybe Douglas Adams has been right yeah he should join our team since he's right and he should say it he he is right and should say it you're right Uh, honorary co-host of Pro Stunted Pod Douglas Douglas Adams Adams. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That quote I have definitely heard. I just overall just really enjoyed everything. And at some points I'm tempted to say like nothing happened. Plenty of things happened. But that didn't feel important because the experience of the book was not about like them doing things. It was more about like... Arthur Dent just experiencing new things. This this book is like the epitome of like no thoughts, just vibes. Yes. Obviously they like travel around and they like discover the whole thing about like the mice and the dolphins and the fact that Earth is just a giant supercomputer designed to figure out answers, but like it's 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 all just good vibes. I love the experience of Arthur learning everything and just like being a really good fucking sport about like Mm -hmm. Ford just dashing him off onto a spaceship yeah he really just goes with the flow and I I admire him greatly for that Um, I mean I guess what else would you do and also it seems it seems extremely British of him to just be like well I guess this is my life now (laughs) yes like I think there's a scene where he's like what do I do when I meet these aliens like what would be rude what would not be rude (laughs) It's so good. Uh, I will I will just say that I remember very vividly the first time I read this how like deeply I felt um, amused by the, the line. It's really early in the book, but the, the spaceship hung in the air in much the same way that bricks don't. Um, and that's just such a funny example of like, it's very evocative. It's not evocative. Like it's kind of the opposite of the way we're taught how to write. Um, evocative language and it's so um, like arresting like it's just such a good tone setter for the entire rest of the book it's blunt in like a very in a way that works and doesn't feel like the typical connotations of the way we use blunt to mean like not well crafted or Mm -hmm. something it's it's it works so well and it is as you said it just sets the tone for the rest of this this humor so well it sort of is like the um the blueprint for like nerd humor in general like i was reading some reddit posts about the book to kind of get in the mood for the podcast and and get some ideas and some thought starters and um there was one post in like our books where someone was giving like generally negative opinions about the book and they're like i don't understand the appeal it's like reading reddit the novel and yeah like yeah besties like where do you think redditors learned their humor like it's one of those things where like cliches are cliches now but like at one point they were like revolutionary and i feel like this book is like revolutionary in its sense of humor and douglas adams was like truly such a visionary um and that that has shaped the way we experience and and use humor now and not the other way around. It definitely has had an impact. I don't, as you said, there's just so many ways that the 
the witticisms and the the way he drops the like one liners that are they're like a major world building tool is just very profound um and it it makes me think of like remember i'm sure you've heard of it because it's like best of reddit all time where someone was like oh my system got set in spanish can someone help me fix it and every single person in the comments like responded in spanish and keeping in mm-hmm. mind that the internet is like very delineated based on what languages you speak so yeah of course there's there's reddit that is like spanish but this he was not in that corner of reddit he was very much on like the english part of reddit mm-hmm. Ugh. It's it's one of my all-time favorite uh, Reddit posts, for sure. Just There's something very beautiful when the internet can band together to do something, like, ultimately harmless, but still very funny. Right. That's, that's like, what a prank should be. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am pretty notoriously anti-prank, um, generally. I think that is the kind of prank that is the exception. Or I've been seeing... Have you been seeing the TikToks? It's, I've seen three or four of them recently where, like girlfriends buy all of their boyfriends the same shirt and then everybody shows up to a party and all the boyfriends are in the same shirt yeah that's fun i'm i'm also like pretty anti-prank because i i think pranks like should not hurt people and there's always the risk that like a jump scare type prank is gonna hurt somebody or something like that but when it's it's like funny like the matching shirts or like things like that it works and i do i do love the matching shirt thing especially because the reactions vary so much based on the type of person. Like when they show the reveal of like the first guy and then like the third guy and one of them is just doing like a head and hands. Like we're mm-hmm. doing this, but I'm just saying we didn't have to do this. And then the one guy <laughs> is like hype. He's like jumping around. Mm-hmm. He's like, we all got matching shirts. Like it's just so <laughs> fun. Um, but yeah, the, and that's, I could see a prank of this kind being, a, you know, a moment snatched from a hitchhiker's story Mm -hmm, absolutely that's very much i feel like the the main problem i usually have with pranks is i feel like they're mean-spirited like they're meant to like embarrass someone and i think that better pranks are ones where like nobody's embarrassed you're just like confused and surprised usually in a delightful way um and i think that that very much embodies the spirit of this book right like you're going to be confused, but you're also going to be delighted. Right. And I think that's something, too, about, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of examples on the fly. I'm coming up with this theory, like, as we go. Um, I don't know how many, like, alien books have happened where nothing, like, actually that bad happens to the human that got wrapped up into an accidental space adventure. I mean, obviously, Earth blew up, but, like, we actually kind of ignore that after they, like, <laughs> escape from Earth. So whatever. The rest of it is all just like, as you said earlier, just like a British man, like trying to just be nice going along with this like insane little adventure that he's on. And and it's less about like, oh, big, scary stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stakes like are objectively very high. I'm just rephrasing what you said, I think, but like they never feel high. Like it feels like a fun little buddy cop hijinks movie as opposed to like, you got to save the universe planet whatever movie yeah they went on like a road trip and they're going through a series of like mishaps that are ultimately not a problem but yeah i don't know i that that thought tapered out a little too fast but you know you know what i'm gonna get i knew what you're getting at and i i agree completely 
so I guess maybe now it is kind of time to just drop a quick synopsis of what happens now that we've alluded to, like, a number of things that happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and start with just saying that in my edition of the book, there was, like, a preface that kind of goes through how this book came to be, how The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy came to be from Douglas Adams. And essentially, it started out as various versions of a radio series and then um, different versions of some in print, some not in print. Uh, and then Douglas Adams continued to write it and eventually decided to compile it into like an actual book that then kept going. So what that means is that there's like a few different series from the radio and then also from the books that these stories are very similar but slightly different because they were being adapted to these different broadcast times, networks, and then eventually, um, okay, um, eventually getting put into, like, the novels that we, like, quote-unquote know today. Um, and so if it all comes together differently, but essentially we're following the aforementioned Brit Arthur Dent, um, who starts out the novel by being worried about the destruction of his house because people, like, failed to file the correct paper, you know, anyways, bureaucracy and red tape. He is going to get his, his house destroyed, and his friend, Ford Prefect, who basically is, like, regarded as the eccentric local drunk who's always at the pub, comes over and through a series of wordplay, convinces the foreman of this destruction to lay in the grass instead of Arthur Dent, whisks Arthur out to the pub, and is like, doesn't matter, the world is ending in five minutes, drink as much as you can. <laughs> and then they get, um, they, they hitchhike onto a spaceship, because it turns out Fort Prefect is actually an alien who was on Earth to gather information for the guidebook, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He got stuck there, but don't worry because now they're on the ship. Oh gosh, I can't remember what happens to get them from the one ship to get the... Oh, it was just the random... Well, so they, they're discovered as hitchhikers and the the Votrons or whatever they're called. Vogons? Um, Vogons. The Vogons um, are like, well, we don't like hitchhikers. So first they try and torture them with um, notoriously terrible Vogon poetry. And then they throw them out the airlock where they are picked up by a ship called the Heart of Gold, uh, which is running on an infinite improbability drive. Um, and on the Heart of Gold are uh, the president of the galaxy, Zaphod Beeblebrox, and um, a, a woman named Trillian. Yes. Um, which we do get some, like, brief background on Zaphoid and the Heart of Gold, the, like, interspersed here bef after they get picked up by the improbability drive. Uh, and Trillian is human, but then the... Four of them, plus Marvin the paranoid android, mm -hmm. are now going to, like, continue on their adventures with the impro the infinity improbability drive. I appreciated the, like, attempt to explain the improbability drive, but not in deep enough detail for it to ever really matter. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, like, a fun level. Anyways, um, Arthur learns that 
the Earth was actually just a giant supercomputer that was running a calculation for another supercomputer, Deep Thought, that was built to give the answers the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything, which was 42. Mm-hmm. But then they were like, well, what's the, the question? If we got 42, like, what is the question? So Earth was created to, to determine the question, capital T, capital Q. Um, and then the Earth was really close to being, like, the computation was almost done when the Vogons were the ones who destroyed the Earth because of bureaucratic nonsense and so um, everybody who is waiting on Deep Thought is like getting mad and then um, Arthur basically has to escape because the Deep Thought creators are like you must know because you're the only remaining like Earthling or something Um, and after all of these adventures they are headed to the restaurant at the end of the universe which is the title of book two that neither of us have read Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's most of it for sure. I mean, I am going off of the Wikipedia summary because if left Wikipedia to our... summaries are always way too long. Also, I kept trying to find a shorter one to well, start is, with. This but... is the synopsis technically. So it's actually only two paragraphs, which I thought would be nice because in addition to being bad at spoiler warnings, we know by now that like if left to our own devices, our summaries quickly get out of hand. They get way out of hand. We're not good at it. So I was like, maybe we need to to tie this in because we're going to go talk about like the individual fun <laughs> things that we like. Like, you know, the what the Babel fish. Super cool. Mm-hmm. I know you really are yeah. excited to talk about it, but I'm I don't. Th- I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like really, really excited. I just thought it was Fair. funny. I think it's a, a like a pretty iconic moment in the it book. Is, but it doesn't necessarily belong in the summary as like a quick. You're and right. If, You're if left to totally our devices, right. I probably would have brought it up. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, we do not know how to be concise. It is a weakness. But you love listening to us anyway, I assume. Thanks for being here. Sometimes, and by sometimes, I mean often, I forget that, like, other people listen to this afterwards. And I feel like it's just me and Bailey having, like, a weirdly structured conversation. <laughs> not that do, structured, also, usually. Do all friendships not require an outline before you have a call? <laughs> If they don't, they should. Am I doing friendship wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it makes it easier to keep my train of thought. So maybe more people should adopt it. Can you imagine how many wild ass tangents we would have if we didn't have outlines? Considering the number of wild ass tangents we already have, no. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's something like, how off track would we get? Like, we'd start an episode about a book and we'd end up talking about, like, I don't know, visiting Maker's Mark distillery or something <laughs> I mean, that sounds fun we should talk about that you can too. hand dip your own bottles what yeah oh my gosh i will have to go there sometime i do love distilleries they are fun but you do have to go to kentucky to visit it so <sighs> <sighs> well i mean just for a visit sounds fine definitely not to live but leaving my neighboring state to its own devices Coming back from one of the aforementioned wild-ass tangents. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like um, we're just leaning into the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because there are some chapters that are just jump-off tangents. And then it's like, Arthur's like, okay, getting back to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, we're staying true to the spirit of the book. That's a really good point, Bailey. Thank you. Okay, so we've summarized, give the, the preface about um, the versions being slightly different. 
Katie, what would you say your, like, favorite piece of real-world commentary in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is? I honestly love all of the bureaucracy nonsense at the beginning where, like, Arthur's house is being demolished and the people with the bulldozer are like, well, it's been on file for, like, six months, so you should have just checked at the register, like, at the local registrar or whatever. And Arthur's like, how did I know how to do that? Um, And then that coming back around when the Vogons are about to destroy Earth and they're like... Well, the records have been on file for, like, six light years or whatever, so you should have just checked the records. Um, yes. I thought that was very funny. It was a wonderful callback to, like, this the short scene before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have seen stuff about that recently about, like, I can't remember the exact context I was reading about it in, but it was, like, neighborhoods, like, implementing these, like, wild-ass rules, probably to, like, try and keep it gentrified or something. Um, And, like, oh, I think it was a John Oliver episode about, um, about climate, uh, like, redlining. Hang on, I'm going to look it up because it actually was really interesting. Um, But basically, like... Whenever, like, corporations want to do shit that's bad for the environment, they just, like, pick a place where a bunch of, like, poor people of color live um, and then, like, don't tell them about it um, and so that they are not inconveniencing the uh, rich white people. And then poor people of color get a lot of health issues because they're living in places that are environmentally trash. Um, And, like, also when, like, a... an area like reaches a certain threshold of like being terrible for you environmentally. Um, they have to like file that, but then they don't have to like notify anyone in the area. They can just like put it on file. So like, it's just still happening. It's just, um, hang on. I'm going to grab the episode, at least the episode title so that you guys can go and watch it for yourself. Cause I'm sure I did a terrible job. Um, explaining it, but I was so angry for the whole episode. Oh, yeah, it's uh, season nine, episode nine, environmental racism. Yeah, I mean, given the fact that, like, um, you know, thriving communities of color were destroyed in order to build highways to to other communities that did not have as many people of color, it's, like, not surprising to me that this is a whole whole thing um this is a very real problem in general in like a lot of american cities that all Mm -hmm. of this is happening so i'll have to watch that john oliver episode although i often have to like prepare myself to watch the episodes because despite his humor the things he touches on are are like pretty emotionally heavily heavy hitting in general yeah Oh, they definitely are. It's it's it can be hard to watch, but like I'm glad that he pairs it with humor cuz otherwise I would um want to destroy something. I mean, I still I still do, but I would want to more. Yeah, he also does like a pretty good job of breaking things down into like better layman's terms when mm-hmm. he's talking about like complex legal issues and stuff. So like I really do like John Oliver. It's just like it's it's you got to be ready. So mm-hmm. now that we have also become a a John Oliver fan podcast Um, weren't we always maybe not out loud but i feel that we always were in our hearts yeah i mean there's a lot of things i'm in i am in my heart that maybe haven't (laughs) been explicitly stated on our like 30 odd episodes so far 
That's fair. That's fair. What about you? Do you have a favorite uh, real world commentary from the book? Um, I just really liked the like the humans are the dumbest animal <laughs> yeah. thing that just keeps getting like replayed out. Particularly like the dolphins when they were like, "Yeah, we knew Earth was getting destroyed. Like we saw the posting." <laughs> yeah, we tried to warn you, but you didn't understand us, so we fucked off to space and said so long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah, and like that the mice were the ones who are like, I don't know, and just like, I'm, the, I'm just they like, they were the ones running the lab experiments on people and not the other way around, and that's like how much smarter mice suck than yeah. humans. And I just like every time I picture Arthur Dent like walking into that cabinet room with like the mice on the table and then just like awkwardly having the discussion with like mice even though his like self-narration is like oh my god what the fuck we're just like having tea with mice Mm -hmm. the mice are in charge here and the mice are like (laughs) have you not been paying attention of course we're in charge i think that's Um, i think you mean something not in not entirely unlike tea or however it was phrased you're right i do it was something not in entirely quite unlike tea (laughs) but yeah no i totally get your point and i agree completely it was just like adding to like the absurdism of it um also i liked the part pretty early on when they were talking about dolphins and they're like humans thought they were smarter than dolphins because like humans did business stuff and dolphins just like played around and were silly in the ocean and dolphins thought that they were smarter than humans for the same reasons yeah no i i uh that part actually had me like laughing out loud because i was like (laughs) No, it's very true, and especially, I think it's kind of fallen, like, a little less out of favor now, but, like, there was a little while there in especially, like, fitness social media where it was, like, this should be fun, it should be, like, playing, and it's, like, because we don't spend any time as, like, adults playing, mm-hmm. doing fun things. We should all, we should all channel the dolphins. Yeah, I think I, I feel like I've t- talked to you on about this, or, like, maybe touched on it in a pod even, but, like... You and I especially were very much raised in the, like, girl boss era where, like, all of our media that was, like, meant to empower girls and women was about women, like, getting their dream job and then working 100 hours a week at it. Um, And so it's taken a very long time to kind of deconstruct that and realize that, like, oh, maybe I can find fulfillment from things that are not jobs, Um, And maybe I don't have to be, like, quite as beholden to the capitalist hellscape. Still pretty beholden because, unfortunately, but... Yeah, I think that's a whole generational shift is, like, realizing that this is a capital hellscape and that, like, Mm -hmm. we don't have to deal with this. And then I actually just saw a TikTok today and it was about this woman who was like, you know, I've decided to start treating my day job as my side hustle and my life as, like, my job. So I'm, like, Mm -hmm. prioritizing my life, things I want to do, and, like, just putting in the work to get by at the job. And she's like, I want to be clear. Like, I'm still succeeding in my job. Like, I'm meeting objectives in my job. I just, like, no longer stress about it after the end of the day or whatever. And I was like, that's definitely in keeping with, like, what you said, deconstructing the, like, 100 hours a week. We need to earn this. But I can see where, like the girl boss era came from when it was like women wanting to get out of the home and not be stuck in the like patriarchal idea of like a housewife. Mm -hmm. So it's just ever evolving. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like a it's like a frequency graph kind of, right? Like you have to kind of skew way in the opposite direction and then you kind of correct back and you go a little too far back and then you like recorrect until you can find the happy medium, right? Like um, I've heard the example of where you're like filling a bathtub and you've been using ice water the whole time on accident. You have to like turn it all the way up to like burning hot to like get it to a temperature that's not um, terrible. Yeah. Can we stop doing that with American politics or what? Like, I would. Fuck. Yep, that would be that would be nice. That would be nice. We're definitely in a in a bad swing of that right now. Yeah, this frequency graph is not acceptable. Mm-mm. No, it's really fun to be a woman right now. It's so good. Anyways, um, back, back to, to funny stuff. <laughs> I like how we've made a point like twice now about like not going off on tangents, and we have just completely just left. You know what? I think it's what Douglas Adams would have wanted us to do. Um, the the improbability drive sounds very fun. It um, gives me Doctor Who vibes with the like mm-hmm. timey wimey wibbly wobbly spacey wacy. Hmm. Well, I think I'm like sure that it came about the same way. Like. Actually, I think I was reading something about how Douglas Adams was like, well, they have to get off the Vogon ship and on to the Heart of Gold ship. And like, how do I do that? And then he's like, whatever, I'll just make something up. Like, it's improbable. I'm just going to lampshade that and let's move on. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what it is. It's like, it's completely improbable. And I I love that for it. It's like in a in a less absurdist story you have to actually like have a reason for things in the plot to happen. Um, but when kind of the point of the story is absurdism, you can kind of just hand wave that and be like, and now we're here. And like, I appreciate that he gave it a reason that like, didn't necessarily help us understand plot wise, like why it happened. No, not at all. I mean, like I said, we get like a tiny bit of backstory about like, about Zaphod's like ending up on the heart of gold, which like he fucking stole as the like galactic president, and I I love that for him. Wonderful moment. What what a girl boss. <laughs> right. Speaking of, but it's just like it. Ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter. And also, like he stole it, and he had. Well, I guess he had the plan the whole time of like trying to go to that one island or island planet <laughs> planet, if you will, planet, if you will. Um. But he, like, didn't let anybody in on it. I don't know. It, it was fun. And then they were like, well, yeah, if he had told anybody the plot, then the plot wouldn't have worked. And I was like, <laughs> this is perfect. I love it. It is perfect. It also, I love how he leans even more into the improbability drive. It's like, well, while we're doing improbable things, also, Arthur Dent knows Trillian and has met Zephod Beeblebrox. Yes. <laughs> And they were at this party, and I think they had mentioned the party earlier as, like, it was, like, it was some odds were, like, one in quadrillion or whatever, and they're, like, coincidentally, the phone number of a flat where Arthur Dent attended a party, or it was something like that. I don't remember specifically. When they they talk about the party, they even talk about how, like, he was in love with Trillian, in, in love, he had a crush on Trillian, and she, like, left with somebody else, and that somebody else was Zaphod, and it just, like... Once again, it was like a seemingly random tangent from the beginning of the story came back and was like, 
relevant again and it was because the improbability drive was like oh look at this chance of probability it's nil mm-hmm. and here we are again <laughs> and there was after like some of the hijinks with them all realizing who each other were and then Zaphod's like is this gonna happen every time we use the improbability drive and Trillian goes probably very funny very good use of humor yes <sighs> makes me very happy I actually um I know like the whole uh, Marvin the paranoid android thing is I feel like you can tell how much is like grating on the characters to be with him, but I thought it was hilarious humor just interjected into an already chock full of humor book. It was extremely good. It was funny in like a different way. Um, and I, I agree. I, I loved everything about Marvin. He made me both depressed and very happy. Yeah, I, I that almost felt like a commentary on like AI going too far is like, We've got really intelligent AI, and uh, look, it's it's so self-aware that it's now depressed. <laughs> it has emotions and complex things associated with the emotions now. There was, like, a, a meme about, I think, Star Wars, and I think it was about C-3PO, and it, it's something like, look at what you did. You took a perfectly good android and you gave him, gave him anxiety. Or, like, look at him. You gave him anxiety. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and that's how I feel about Marvin, too. Poor thing. Yeah, it's like such a good character, and I'm I we really should read more of the books. I think because I mm-hmm. feel like it only. I think we should too. Maybe we should do like a a mini series within the prose tinted classic universe because they're they're quick reads. They're so much fun. I definitely need to read all of them just for to be a well rounded human. I guess I definitely will keep reading them though. Yeah, so I guess in keeping with it, like possibly being a classic. Do you want to talk about any adaptations that were made? I think this is the far fewest number of adaptations in the strict sense of adaptation um, out of any of the classics we've covered. Yeah, I think that's probably fair-ish to say. I will say, you know, it's from the late 70s, early 80s, as opposed to, like, the 1800s. So there's been less time um, to make adaptations, I think. And I also think... I feel like it's so rooted in its period of time, right? Like, in, like, the 80s to the early 2000s. Like, it's become such a, like, foundation. I would be surprised, honestly, if we had another adaptation of it in the next 15 to 20 years. Yeah, and I also think, in part, because it, like, because it started out as a radio show and was broadcast over, like, a series of years and then was changed into books, it's just, like, the, that's what I meant when I said, like, strict adaptations. Like, the, there's already, like, a lot of other content types out there around it, so it doesn't necessarily get the people excited for a new one. Also, I might be 100% wrong, um, because I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia article. So there was, a, there was a TV series in 1981 by the BBC, and then apparently a new television series for Hulu was announced in July 2019, and uh, someone claimed production began in may 2021 obviously it was delayed because of covid but yeah but sometimes with those like covid delays it's always like is that what does this mean for the future mm-hmm. um, and then of course there was a, a film in 2005 yes so, yeah you're right not that many i'm i am pretty surprised because i feel like i don't think i have seen the 2005 film or if i did it didn't leave much of an impression i meant to watch it before this and you know sometimes life happens instead uh so i did not um 
But I'm familiar with it, and I think it's, like, largely well-received. Yeah, I imagine the hardest part of this, of an adaptation of this, would be, like, matching the absurdity Mm -hmm. in a visual medium, because there's only so much you can do to, like, picture that well. And, And I think much like our most recent episode with Our Flag Means Death, the sets don't need to be, like, complicated or intense. In fact, I think it would be better if they were on the same like suspension of disbelief level on a set for, for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But it does take a certain amount of like ability to act in a certain way that is so serious and yet not serious in any way for this to work really well. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I have, I haven't seen the movie either because I didn't know it existed. Uh, it's definitely, I think it's good. I'm excited. I'll definitely watch it sometime soon, I think. Yeah, I, I think I'll, the citation on the um, 2021 adaptation on the Wikipedia page um, is pretty little. Mm-hmm. It's from, it's from Mudgarb Times. Oh, certainly a, um reliable source it also wants to send me notifications on my browser i hate when websites do that who in the history of the world has said yes to that okay this also says that like the series has reportedly been renewed for season two besties it's not out it's not (laughs) I mean, that happens sometimes, but also still, like, yeah, I'm having trouble finding any, like, information on it. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. There's, like, no starring. There's no concrete, like, reliable information on this, this adaptation that I've been able to find. And so I definitely do not believe the claim that it's going to have a season two already. If... We have confirmation of Hitchhiker's Season 2 before we have confirmation of Our Flag Means Death Season (laughs) 2. I'm going to go mad. Again, we're not panicking about that until after May 18th. You've got eight days as of the time of recording. Okay, I mean, I know that you said that and that's absolutely fair, but I'm just saying. They're going through a merger. They would have to be literally so stupid not to renew it, which I'm not not saying they're not. Maybe they are. No, I... I agree with you. You make very valid points that are rational, but (laughs) rationality is in short supply. Rationality is antithesis to fandom. Yes. Speaking of, like, general rationality, I had this quote that I I found from, it's actually from book four, but I see it trotted out um, occasionally, and I think you will understand why when I read it to you. But it's just another one of those, like, real-world commentary bits is a little long so bear with me here okay okay so i think it is ford and arthur talking it comes from a very ancient democracy you see you mean it comes from a world of lizards no said ford who by this time was a little more rational rational and coherent than he had been before having finally had the coffee forced down him nothing so simple nothing anything like so straightforward on its world the people are people the leaders are lizards The people hate the lizards, and the lizards rule the people. Odd, said Arthur. I thought you said it was a democracy. I did, said Ford. It is. So, said Arthur, Arthur, hoping he wasn't sounding ridiculously obtuse, 
Why don't the people get rid of the lizards? It honestly doesn't occur to them, said Ford. They've all got the vote, so they all pretty much assume that the government they voted in more or less approximates to the government they want. You mean they actually vote for the lizards? Oh, yes, said Ford with a shrug. Of course. But, said Arthur, going for the big one again, why? Because if they didn't vote for a lizard, said Ford, the wrong lizard might get in. Got any gin? What? I said, said Ford, with an increasing air of urgency creeping into his voice, have you got any gin? I'll look. Tell me about the lizards. Ford shrugged again. Some people say that the lizards are the best thing that ever happened to them, he said. They're completely wrong, of course. Completely and utterly wrong. But someone's got to say it. But that's terrible, said Arthur. Listen, bud, said Ford. If I had one Altarian dollar for every time I've heard one bit of the universe look at another bit of the universe and say that's terrible, I wouldn't be sitting here like a lemon looking for gin. I really don't enjoy that you read that to me because it really feels a little too on the nose for the real world. A little right too now. close to home. It's uh yeah. I don't know. My Wi-Fi connection is like really bad right now, so I can't really see you at all. But I don't oh, no. know if you saw me like cringing the whole time you were reading it. I did. I can confirm the cringe. Ugh. Yeah. Um, it feel feels bad, man, but at least it was funny. Oh, it's very funny, and it's all the funnier for how much, how even more true it is now. Although I will mm-hmm. say, I'm not super well versed on like um, 80s English politics, so like maybe it was like pretty on the nose back then too. But I have a feeling that it's only gotten more on the nose since then, as a general rule with all of that. So yeah, um, I hate that. Um, <laughs> but do you know what I? You're welcome. Do you know what I don't hate? What do you not hate? towels how have we made it this far without talking about the towel oh my gosh i have no idea and it's so it's literally just as an addition to being funny it's correct like don't travel without a towel yeah no it's so correct it's like i confirm that every like airbnb or hotel or well obviously like hotels generally have towels if i'm going overseas i'll like double check but like a towel it's something you can always use i it's it really is not wrong and was it's truly a piece of genius from douglas adams for this entire concept and quote about towels mm-hmm. do you have it pulled up i do or... would you like me to read okay. it i would like for you to read okay. it a towel the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy says is about the most massively useful thing an interstellar hitchhiker can have Partly, it has great practical value. You can wrap it around you for warmth as you bound across the cold moons of Jaglin Beta. You can lie on it on the brilliant marble-sanded beaches of Sadritanius V. I'm going to butcher all these names just as an inside. Inhaling the heady sea vapors, you can sleep under it beneath the stars, which shine so redly on the desert world of the Cacrafon. Use it to sail a mini-raft down the slow, heavy river moth, Wet it for use in hand-to-hand combat. Wrap it around your head to ward off noxious fumes or avoid the gaze of the ravenous bug bladder beast of trawl. Such a mind-bogglingly stupid animal, it assumes that if you can't see it, it can't see you. You can wave your towel in emergencies as a distress signal and of course dry yourself off with it if it still seems to be clean enough. So good. Again, it is- also- Wait, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it is so true. It is. It's literally so true. When um, when Nicole and I backpacked through Europe, we got these like microfiber 
towels to take with us. And it was like probably one of the best things that we packed. Yeah. But I was also going to say, while you were reading, I was doing some Googling and I have good news for everyone. Um, Consider this your six day warning. If you're listening to this on release date, Uh, towel day is May 25th. Um, And on towel day, fans openly carry a towel with them as described in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy to demonstrate their appreciation for the books and for Douglas Adams. I will have to pack my microfiber towel when I go to Mm -hmm. Europe um, so that on May 25th I can carry my towel. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You must. I insist. I actually do have, I have like a a face-sized microfiber towel Mm -hmm. that I would use, that I use for like outdoor backpacking or camping just to like dry my face and stuff and because it comes with like a carabiner then you can clip it to like your tent line your hammock line your freaking car window like whatever i've hung it from so many places to dry off so um i am also uh team microfiber towel good good yeah i was like looking at a quote while you're reading the last one and i was like how have we forgotten about the towel (laughs) It's truly an unforgivable oversight. I'm really glad that you found it for us. Also, I think that's just because there's so many, like, relatable, absurd, hilarious moments that it's like, I want, like, there's, we how could we remember them all? Mm-hmm. Truly. Truly. So, uh, any, any, like, final thoughts you want to cover with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <sighs> Um, mainly just that I loved it and everyone should read it and I should keep reading the series. Um, and it makes me happy. Yeah. And again, it is like, it is fairly short and it is super readable. It's not dense. Like it's only about 80 pages shorter than a picture of Dorian Gray, which is also like very short. So both of them, according to my quick Google, which does not account for the type of print version that I am comparing page numbers for. Um, they're only about 60 pages apart with Hitchhiker's Guide being slightly shorter, but it was so much easier to read. It's so fun. It's also, it's a great audiobook because uh, it's narrated by Stephen Fry. So if you like audiobooks, highly recommend. Yeah. And given it's, I mean, there's an overarching plot, but given it's sort of like episodic start, it's it's pretty easy to pick up and down because... The way it's written lends itself to to discontinuity. And I actually something we didn't even necessarily touch on super well is that like the the continuity of this, which is continuity is something we harp on a lot, especially in visual media. Um, and in this book, that is out the window and it's great. Mm-hmm. It is. It's really good. It gives us the ability to relax for one minute. We don't have to make sure everyone's keeping track of their their P's and Q's. <laughs> yeah agreed did you uh you wrote down a little fun game idea did you want to do your little fun game i don't think it's gonna go well because it's a very like <laughs> nebulous idea it's like not sure it's not tied less of a anything. less of a game and more of a hypothetical but... yeah that's it that's what it is that's like a hypothetical um <laughs> that we can just riff off of but truly like what do you how do you think you would react if your like friend from the bar came up and was like your, your planet's going to blow up. I'm going to, like, take us to space now. Like, no time to prepare. Drink your beer. What would you do? You know, realistically, I think I'd probably, like, ignore him and then get blown up. And or 
if he managed to save me curl up in a ball um, in a corner of a space suit, spaceship until I died. Um, I do, like, I would like to think, especially with as much, like, sci-fi and fantasy as I have, like, read and watched, like, I would love to think that I would be down to go with it in a very similar way as Arthur Dent, where at least, like, I might not know what's going on, but, like, I'll at least, like, follow you around. Like, I probably don't have any survival skills that would help me, but, you know, I'm at least along for the ride. Um, but I, I do think that I'm probably much too anxious of a person for that to be realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's... I was, what about you? I was going to say something similar, except, like, I don't even think that I could pretend that I would I would handle it well. I straight up... I already tell you, like, I'm way too anxious of a person. Like, I didn't want to go to Aldi today because they don't have this single brand of yogurt I prefer to eat. <laughs> um. And so I don't think that I would handle being on, like, a, a spaceship where they're like, um, you can never get that brand of yogurt ever again. I think that I would I would have so many questions about, like, how things worked and what we were doing. I would never be able to just go along with it like Arthur did. Because, like, when, when Ford is like, just, just work with me here, Arthur's like, okay, I'll do my best. I would be like, no, I need you to tell me, like, what time do you think they're going to eject us? Like, is it going to be soon? Is there a timetable? <laughs> exactly how many minutes, exactly how many minutes can we survive if we just hold our breath? How long do you think I can hold my breath? Yeah. <laughs> Did you put it on the G-Cal? <laughs> yeah. Did you put the end of the world on the G-Cal? If it's not on the G-Cal, I don't know if it's happening. Yeah. If it's not on the G-Cal, I'm sorry. I'm not participating. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. A hundred percent. I agree. So while I read so many fantasy and sci-fi novels and I like, I love when characters are able to like roll with this new world they get sucked into or whatever. Yeah, there's no way in hell. I can't do it. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm out here like, do you have a USB-C lightning cable? I don't have service. <laughs> like, it's not working. Do you think we can? Yeah, it's like. Do they have SIM cards here? <laughs> I'm sorry, I really need to at least watch TikToks to calm myself down. Can we make that happen? Yeah, like, um... <laughs> but how am I supposed to make it through my day without looking for the top awarded Am I the Asshole post? <laughs> Genuinely. So, uh, in conclusion, <laughs> Arthur Dent, I am not and will never be. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100,000%. Maybe I agreed. should... When I think of, like, when I'm getting too anxious about something, maybe I should be like, what should, what would Arthur Dent do? Um, mm. But I think the answer to that question is, like, he wouldn't have been running a marathon, so he wouldn't have been overwhelmed. <laughs> so he wouldn't need to calm down. It's probably true. Although, maybe, you know, maybe Ford Prefect is making him run the marathon, and he doesn't have a choice, and he just has to go with it. So Ooh, maybe he would do it then. Headcanon for Ford Prefect. <laughs> dude saw a marathon like getting ready to start and he was like fuck yeah that seems fun got a bib <laughs> and he just ran the whole fucking thing it seems extremely on brand for him yeah no that's my headcanon that he like just ran a marathon for funsies one day and it's probably there's probably like some weird alien biology thing where like running that long is like not even hard for him and right. so he's like that was fine and he like a hundred percent puts it in the guide like I don't understand, but some humans were like passing out. <laughs> like somebody definitely no, puked. That would 
That would require way too much space in the guide. Like, they only barely got mostly harmless in there. That's true. I just like to think that he has his own, like, after all his time trapped on Earth, he has, like, his own version of the guide for Earth specifically. Mm-hmm. Because he was like... You're, you're right. If I'm stuck here, I gotta... I, gotta <laughs> I might as well. That's... That's my headcanon. So, um, if you had to pick one favorite character out of all of, like, main characters, who would it be? Marvin. Yeah, what about you? Um, we don't get to see a ton of her, but I think Trillian, because I feel like she is just, like, very solidly head on her shoulders, like, she's been a human in space, so she doesn't have all of this overwhelming, like, what the heck is going on that Arthur Dent has, Mm-hmm. But she also, the way she, like, deals with Zaphod is just by being like, yeah, bud, yeah, we can do that. That seems fine. Like, I think it's a bad idea. But, like, <laughs> if you really want to. Let's see what happens. I am interested in the outcome. Mm-hmm. So I think her. Yeah, that's totally fair. I also like that she also just, like, thought it would be cool to go to space and so she did and it's just been like chilling out there like it's it's similar to arthur dent but like i feel like unless i'm misremembering like she made the choice to go into space that's what i thought too maybe i would do better with like choosing to go to space if someone like presented it as an option and i could stay on earth that wasn't about to blow up mm-hmm. i might be like heck yeah space is space is fun let's do it but if it was that all or nothing situation i'd panic Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I would definitely just panic either way. You, you don't think going to space would be fun if you weren't panicked? <sighs> okay, I think it would be fun. I don't think that anyone could ever convince me that it was, like, a real thing that was really happening. That's like, fair. I think I would think that I am having, a, like, a full mental breakdown before I believe that, like, oh, there's really an alien, like, putting me on a spaceship. And it's not even, like, I don't even necessarily think aliens don't exist like i don't feel strongly about it one way or another but like i wouldn't be surprised if there were aliens right i would be surprised if there were aliens who could communicate with humans and like want me to be on their spaceship i would not be surprised if the dolphins were smarter than us though (laughs) no not at all like that part i have no trouble believing none i they're out there they're having a great time totally they might have to supplant us. They might be right. And maybe they should say it. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Crow's oh, oh. Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips. Our theme song is by the wonderful Anna Voss, and our logo is by Baby Truth Collection. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, and until then, so long and thanks for all the fish.